I can remember what I'm going to tell you guys as though it was yesterday. Now, I had to change the names to protect the innocent, just so you know. But I want to take you back to 1981. In 1981, I was an eighth grader at Ramona Middle School in Laverne, California. And I had been spending time with my friends, talking with my buddies, trying to build up the courage to do what was never comfortable for me, talk to a girl. You guys know what I'm talking about? You see, we had a huge event coming up. It was eighth grade dance, and it was a biggie. And I decided I was going to invite, let's just call her Courtney, to go to the dance with me. I remember finally getting up the courage to ask her if we could talk, and we moved away from the quad area to this little grass place by the room, and a little small talk, and then I finally looked her in the face, probably not, but I said, Courtney, will you go to the eighth grade dance with me? And I can remember like it was yesterday as she looked me in the face and said no <laughs> and turned and walked away. I don't know if I ever actually talked to her again. I might not have ever talked to her again. And in high school, I don't remember maybe once asking a girl to a dance ever again. This had a huge impact in my life. My first time being rejected. No. That's not my first time being rejected. Actually, my first time being rejected was probably, it was in fourth grade. Mr. Grandy, our music teacher. Did you ever have a Mr. Grandy in your life? And all my friends decided to join choir. So I go, I'll join choir with you. I remember sitting in front of Mr. Grandy on his piano and he said, sing Mary Had a Little Lamb. I belted out Larry, Mary Had a Little Lamb as he looked at me and said, thanks for trying out. Maybe next year. Who does that to a fourth grader? I could tell you still to this day, if you were to sit in front of me at church, you will not hear anything coming out of my mouth because that had such a traumatic experience in my life. Today, I want to talk about rejection. I want to talk about rejection. I realize I gave you a couple funny examples. At least they were probably funny for you, not so much for me. I still remember them deeply, but I have had since then some deeper experiences of rejection. Being rejected by someone that you did not expect to re be rejected by at all. Matter of fact, I was actually engaged before I ever met my wife. Quite a few years before I met my wife, Colleen, I was engaged to someone else. And uh, we had dated for a year. We were within the church group. It was great. We got engaged. We began to plan out our wedding, and she met another guy. And within a week, everything was over. And it was a time of deep pain and confusion and loneliness in my life. I've also had some bad experiences in church and with Christians Back when I was about 40 years old, I was uh, at a church and a job that I loved. I'd been there for 10 years, and at a left field, I was told that we're going in a different direction, and you're not going to be part of that direction. And it devastated my family. It devastated my wife, and we had to walk through that, feeling rejected, feeling treated in a difficult way. It was devastating. Have you guys found that being rejected could have a profound impact on your life? 
whether it be a close friend who begins to distance themselves from you or maybe you have an extended family member who begins to exclude inviting you to things. Maybe you have a coworker or a neighbor that you just can't seem to connect with and you don't know why or a job that you love that you end up getting let go from or a spouse who leaves you. Or maybe you've been part of a church or Christians where you felt judged and not accepted. And now in our culture, right, we have the potential feelings of rejection coming from so many different angles, especially with social media, especially with social media. Man, we can now be rejected so frequently with small actions like being unfollowed on Twitter or we're swiped left on a dating app or being unfriended on Facebook or not receiving a like on Instagram or not having our text responded to. It just seems like the potential to feel rejected can come from anywhere. And people, they're saying that one of the biggest feelings that people are feeling nowadays, especially like teenagers, I got to work teenagers a lot, is hurt. Hurt is a huge feeling in our culture. People feel hurt. And I recently read an article in Psychology Today that talked about why rejection can hurt us so much. They talked about that rejection piggybacks on physical pain pathways in the brain. So when you get hurt, when you feel rejected, there's chemicals go on that the same ones when you get physically hurt that goes on. But here's the problem. We can relive and re-experience social pain way more vividly than we ever can physical pain. So sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me is a lie, right? The broken bone from a stick or a stone goes away. We don't think about it that vividly, but the hurts of a word, the hurts from a friend, we can relive over and over again. It destabilizes our need to belong. And we, have a, we, we have this need to belong that is in every adult, every person. And when we get rejected, that just gets shaken. Hard to keep our footing. They're finding that rejection can create surges of anger, sadness, and stress, and it can actually send us on a mission to seek and destroy our self-esteem. So as we're rejected, we get sent on this mission, and we want to destroy our own self-esteem. And here's why. This is really interesting. Some studies are showing that rejection actually temporarily lowers our IQ. Isn't that interesting? And as our, low, our IQ gets lowered, we cannot respond to rejection with reason. It's like we actually struggle with reasoning our way out of what we're feeling. So there's real scientific, there's real psychological reasons why rejection so deeply impacts us. And we couple of that with the explosion of all the different directions by which rejection can come. No wonder we feel so hurt nowadays, where it is always feeling hurt. And so here's the question I want to ask today. I want to ask us this, how can Jesus help us face rejection today and experience a resurrection of peace instead of hurt? How could we be resurrected and experience peace instead of hurt in the middle of rejection? And I think that's an important question to ask because I, every one of us are going to face rejection in some way or another at some time. It's not kind of an if, it's when. 
You will face rejection. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, wouldn't it be nice to know if following him matters? Does it matter? Can it make a difference? Can Jesus make a difference in my life today as I face rejection? So I'm going to go to the book of Hebrews first. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. We're going to start there because I think this is a big one to help us think through some stuff. It says, for we do not have a high priest. This is talking about Jesus Christ. He's the high priest he's talking about who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. We should think about that. Such an eye-opening verse, the reality that Jesus experienced life. He experienced real life. He faced suffering, as Scott looked at a few weeks ago. He faced temptation. And guess what? Jesus Christ faced rejection. He faced rejection. Listen to what the writer of the book of Hebrews goes on to say a little bit later on down the road. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. This is in Hebrews 12. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. He endured opposition. He endured rejection from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What a powerful passage. And I love this passage because it first starts off by talking about keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus and the reality that he was rejected by men. He was rejected by his own people. He was rejected by the religious leaders. He was rejected by the political leaders. And his own followers abandoned him in his greatest time of need. The deep rejection that he experienced while he was on this earth. Isaiah 53, 3, talking about Jesus, says he was despised and rejected by men. And he was a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. He was rejected by men. And keeping our eyes on that reality, what Hebrews tells us is keeping that eyes on that reality can help us to not grow weary and to not lose heart. And if anything can get tiring in this world and cause us to lose heart, it's rejection when it really starts taking root. So I want to just encourage you that if you ever feel rejected, know that Jesus experienced that also, and he sympathizes with you and cares for you. He wants to walk alongside you. He understands. He has felt it. He has experienced it. You are not alone. God cares. And knowing that he can sympathize with my situation when I have felt rejected and I've experienced rejection has always led me to be able to trust in his teachings, to trust in his ways, to trust in his perspective about life. And that has really helped me face rejection and face hurts. You see, going back to Hebrews 4, after he says we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses, look at what he goes on to say. So let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
So because we have a Savior that can walk alongside us, can sympathize with us because he faced it too, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let us go to him. Let us go boldly. Let us seek his guidance. Let us seek his peace. Let us seek his help. He will not reject you. He will never turn away from you. He is always there. I remember, I think it was last year or the year before I read this book and was talking about the Trinity and the way he just kept, at the end of every chapter, he would say, so the Father oversees, the Son walks beside, and the Spirit dwells within. Every chapter. We have God the Father that oversees everything. God the Son who walks alongside us and experiences and knows, and we have the Spirit that empowers. What a beautiful picture that this passage is trying to help us realize. So I want to go to Philippians chapter 4, because this is my favorite like, prayer chapter. It's probably everyone's favorite prayer chapter in a lot of ways, but I think it really ties in well to what we're talking about. When he says, do not be anxious. And remember, one of the big results of psychology today said is, is stress. Anxiety is a, is a result of, of being rejected. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, when we face rejection, when we face hurts, we need our hearts and minds to be guarded because it will take over. That's why I love that, man. Let your request in on God and the peace of God will, it transcends, will guard you and will guard your hearts and will guard your minds. That is such a beautiful reminder. So I just want to say that when you feel rejected, when you feel rejected, go to God, the one who will never reject you and allow his peace to protect you. He's there. And I believe through prayer, that peace can protect our hearts and protect our minds from being too captured by the rejection and the hurts that we experience Prayer can be such a compelling practice because it really is allowing God to change the way you see things. When we're going to God in prayer, we're allowing him to change the way we see things and, and, way, and what's happening to us. He can help us to see it differently. It will change the way you approach a situation. He wants to give us wisdom in approaching a situation and prayer can change that and it can give us wisdom on what is the best way to handle rejection. And when we feel like we're being rejected, prayer can protect us from anger. It can protect us from sadness. It can protect us from stress, taking too deep of a root in our hearts. And instead, it could replace them with peace and hope and clarity. The cool thing that I found that when it comes to prayer and seeking God is that when I do that, the situation that I find myself in might not change at all. It might not change in any way. But how I see it, how I approach it, can dramatically change through prayer. And I don't think anything is, very, is much more powerful than that, than when it changes how I do it, how I see it, how I approach it. So what are some of the mind shifts? What are some of the ways through the years facing rejection and facing hurts that I've sought God in prayer and through his word that have impacted how I handle rejection? 
and help me to have this resurrection of peace instead of hurt when rejected. And I want to share those with you. I came up with three that really make deeply rooted in my heart, hopefully, and I, I focus on them and try to work through them. I kind of hope, I hope they might help you too, and that there are a couple, some here that you can ap- apply to your own life. And so uh, here's the first one. First one is this. Pray to choose carefully the voices you listen to. Pray to choose carefully the voices you listen to. There is a lot of voices out there. They're coming at you from a lot of different angles. You need to be careful who and what you listen to. The first voice you should listen to the most is God's. That should be the loudest voice in your heart. He's the one that will never leave you or forsake you. He's the one that declares things about his children, how much he loves you and cares for you, wants to empower you and walk with you. Let his voice be the loudest. But you also need to pay attention and make sure you have people you can trust, people you know love you, that you listen to their voices above everyone else's. That will help you when you face rejection. That will help you when you face hurts. To really know that you're listening to the right voices. I can just tell you right off the bat, my wife is one of the voices I need to make sure is one of the loudest human voices in my heart. Because when I'm going through a feeling of rejection or hurt, I can go to her and I just know she's just not gonna, I know I gotta deal with things, but she's not gonna let it get rooted. She's gonna make sure she stops it before it takes over, you know what I mean? And I've got a handful of guys, people I trust that I can talk about anything with. And I trust their voice. And I trust their voice. And it's become a very important thing in my life. Proverbs 27, 6 is such a cool verse. Look at this. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Isn't that awesome? For some reason, this this one just, that just stood out to me. Man, a wound from a friend I can trust. So if I'm going to really allow like a voice to really get me, man, I, I want it to be a friend's voice. Someone that I know has my betterment in mind. Someone that I know is thinking about me. And to consider a wound from a friend is better than a kiss from an enemy. We need to just be careful to not get too caught up in all the voices around us that are coming at us from social media or whatever, or just people. And we need to make sure so that we can handle when rejection comes, that we have people in our life, so that we don't allow every voice to so deeply affect us and hurt us. So I hope you do that. I hope you have people in your life that you can trust to encourage you when you feel rejected. And the second one kind of flows out of that, right? It's, it's, uh, this one that my friends have helped me with a lot, but pray to assume the best until told otherwise. Listen to the right voices and then pray to God that you can assume the best until you are told Otherwise, Now, I want to tell you, this has probably been one of the biggest life changes for me. To try to never assume that someone is actually trying to hurt me until that person actually tells me that's what they're wanting to do. Like, like before I'm going to trust that they're trying to hurt me, they got to sit there and say, nope, Steve, you were wrong. I did want to hurt you. I am rejecting you. Right? And when they tell me that, okay, I'll take that. Until they tell me that, I am going to assume that that is not what they meant to do and that my feeling might be real, but it's not true. And I'm going to assume that. And here's the craziest part. 
I thought back this week about this. I, I think probably 99% of the time I was correct. They actually weren't trying to hurt me. But I could have taken it that way. They weren't. 99. I could actually think of one time I think someone actually wanted to hurt me. That they really wanted to hurt me. What seems like the norm nowadays, right, is we're going to assume the worst until they correct it. We're going to assume the worst. And man, we need to be careful of that. That could get you. That could get at you quickly. Man, and I know you probably think, well, I'm a pastor. Scott's a pastor. You know, Steve, you guys probably never face rejection. Are you kidding me? Like every week? I mean, you guys think that like as a youth pastor for so many years, when a kid left my youth group and went to another youth group, or we know someone left Rancho and went to another church, you think we don't care? You think that doesn't kind of start, what did I do? What did I do? We could feel rejected. We could feel hurt. We could feel personal. It's real every single week. And even in that, when I assume the best, and my assumption is, cool, man, they're going somewhere where they're going to get what they need, awesome. Then when I run in, I can move towards them instead of away from them. When I assume the best, I'm going to move towards someone, and I've seen so many relationships healed. When I could have taken it so offensively, instead, I didn't. I'm just going to assume the best instead. Until they tell me the worst, I'm going to keep moving forward. And it's not easy, but I found it to be so true. And you know where this really began to take root? (laughs) When I realized how many times over the years I've hurt someone else. How many times I've said something or I did something or I didn't do something and someone else felt rejected or someone else felt hurt. And you know when I think back about it? I don't think I've ever done something purposely because I wanted to hurt someone or reject them, ever. And I assume that if they felt that way, and I want to tell you, I'm not backing away from the reality that I have to take responsibility for when I hurt people. And that that does hit me when I hurt people. And I don't want to do that. And I want to work on that. And if I hear about that, usually I try to go to the person right away. I don't want that to feel. But if they're feeling that way, when I know that I'm not trying to do that, I'm just going to assume that probably the person hurting me is probably feeling the same way. And that just changed my life. It made me realize, okay, no one's actually out to get me. No one's actually out to get me. If they don't respond to my text, they're probably not looking at it going, ooh, that's Steve. I didn't like, I don't like him. Deny! (laughs) I hope he feels the weight of that. You know what I mean? And I've just realized, okay, it's probably not. I'm just going to throw out another text. How many times do you throw out another text and they said, oh, dude, sorry, I forgot to get back to you. Whatever it is, instead of allowing it to sink in. Man, just assuming the best can make such a difference. Can make such a difference. This verse in, in uh, I love this verse in Philippians. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So I want to think about those things. I want to think about admirable. I want to think about positive. I want to think that I'm assuming they're not actually trying to hurt me until they tell me they are. And then I'll work with it at that time. And I know I can't. Have any of you guys found out you really can't trust your feelings right off the bat? Anyone feel that way? 
that reality, right? Can't trust it, so I want to go, I need to get to what is true before I let my feelings and the assumption that they're trying to reject me and hurt me really dig deep. And that's something that's really made a difference in my life. And it's protected my heart, and I think it could protect your heart. It can protect your heart from bitterness, anger, and confusion setting in too deep. Because once that sets in deep, it could have a really negative and dangerous impact in your life. And that, that kind of brings up the third thing. Pray to focus on how you treat others more than how they treat you. Listen to the right voices. God, help me to hear your voice and those I trust so I'm not too. Help me to assume the best, God, until they tell me, nope, nope, I really did want to do this. And then help me to treat others, the focus on how I treat others more than how they treat you. So practical. Because I tell you, have you ever found, I know I have found, the more I focus on how people treat me, I could get disappointed really easily. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever experienced that? Just the disappointment that can come so quickly when I am expecting to be treated in a certain way. And I can begin to take things so personal when I'm expecting other things. Has anyone ever gone to In-N-Out here? You've heard of that place? They got hamburgers down the street, In-N-Out. I tell you, when you go into In-N-Out as a customer, don't you just expect to be treated in a certain way? You know, I know I'm going to drive up. They're going to come up in the window. Hey, how you doing? You know, what can I get? Oh, no problem. And I need a double-double, only a half of an onion and a three-quarters of a tomato. No problem, you know. Beep, 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 you know. And they're going to say, how are you? The next person, then the next person. You're going to just be treated in a certain way. I feel the same way when I go to Starbucks. They are trained to treat you in a certain way. Uh, and then they make you feel like they know you, like, oh, a tall coffee, no room. Yeah, and I walk out of just floating, man. I am the center of their attention, you know. I bring them in so much money with my $1.95 every single day, you know? And, but they, they do that. Now, if you have that expectation at every fast food place you go to across the country, you might find yourself disappointed at times. You don't go to every place and have that kind of customer service, right? They are trained to be that way. And then you can take it super personal. What did I do to offend you? I am the customer, right? And all of a sudden, I'm getting all like upset. Man, the, the idea of treating others and saying, I'm going to work on treating others instead of how they treat me can change everything, especially when it comes to facing rejection. And it can really have an impact on your life. I love Romans chapter 12. In Romans 12, he kind of deals with this where he says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. I mean, the tendency when we feel rejected or hurt is to hurt back, to reject back. You can't break up with me because I was going to break up with you, right? I'm going to get back before they get me. Then he says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Now you're thinking, oh, yeah, that's right. God will strike them down. I, I, I think we're going to miss it if that's the idea, right? Because listen to what it says here. It is mine to avenge. I will repay. Hey, I will take care of the situation, the Lord says. And then he says this. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. What? 
And I think God is saying, I think sometimes God is going, you've got a misunderstanding of my wrath. How I draw people to myself is I feed my enemy and I give them water when they're thirsty. I'll take care of it. Any of you once were an enemy of God and you felt that loving grace and hand draw you to him? Any of you? Any of you experience? Yeah, like all of us some way or another. What a beautiful thing. Give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. I have no idea what that means. Go to the next slide. <laughs> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're only going to do this if we think more about how we treat people than how they treat us, right? That's when we are going to overcome evil with good. And we're going to think more about them. No doubt when rejection comes, and it will come, the temptation to strike back, to hurt back, to treat them like they treated you is going to be there. But I want to challenge you that that will do nothing but increase your own pain, hurt, and frustration. And it will move to even worse places and more difficult situations. But when we can focus on living at peace with everyone, to the best of our ability, you just might begin to find peace in the most unexpected places. You might find a relationship that could have been destroyed if you would have taken it as rejection and hurt, but instead you didn't. You assumed differently, and you went that it wasn't that. And you might be surprised how many relationships and situations you're going to be walking into and experience peace in. I love John 16, 33. Jesus says, right, clearly, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. It's going to happen. But take heart. I've overcome the world. We will have troubles, failures, sufferings, addictions, rejection. But Jesus Christ came. He came to bring peace. He came to bring peace between God and us. He conquered sin and death. He came to give us hope and life now and forevermore. But he also came and he taught a whole new way of living, a whole new way of approaching life, a way that can bring peace into your life and into the life of others. And what began at his resurrection is continuing now, today, and will continue to do so forever. His cause of peace on earth and goodwill towards men through his grace, mercy, and love is our cause as well. That we might be thousands of friends advancing the cause of Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word and just, Lord Jesus, for coming and walking on this earth, experiencing temptation and suffering and rejection, but standing and, and, and continuing on and, and suffering a death on the cross, pain for our sins, 
facing death and raising from the dead to bring new life and hope. Through the power of your spirit, may you give us the ability to trust that you are walking alongside us, that that you understand, that you care, that you know what we're going through, especially when we face rejection and we face hurt. May we go to you and find this peace that surpasses understanding. And may that peace guard our hearts and minds Guard us, God, from allowing rejection and hurt to dig so deep, the root so deep that it begins to take over. May your peace and your clarity and your hope rule instead. And and may that happen as we seek you. God, as we listen closely to your voice first and foremost and give us wisdom, God, that we might listen to the right voices around us and have good people that we can trust that can walk us through life and walk alongside us in life. God, give us ability to assume the best until that person tells us otherwise and to care more about how we treat people than than how they treat us. And may that be a focus for us. And in that, may you help us face rejection in a way that is brings this resurrected like, peace and hope and clarity that we can then bring to this world and into our relationships and in and through our lives. Thank you that your life and your death and your resurrection matters today and now. It matters right now. May you impact our lives and change the way we see things so that we might walk in this for your glory, for your honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.